So the reading today is from Psalm 18, all the way through from 1 to verse 50. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he has heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He saw on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he rooted them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare. At your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He blew out, he, he blew, he Sorry, let me start that again. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I'm not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I've not turned away from his decrees. I've been blameless before him, and I've kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure. But to the devious you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, keep, you, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of of bronze. You make your saving help my shield, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet, so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, 
he did not answer. I beat them as fine wind-blown dust. I trampled them like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me head of the nations. People I did not know now serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my saviour. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man you rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can we just give Beth a round of applause for that? Thank you, Beth. I have definitely got the easier task tonight to try and unpack that complicated, long psalm. Thank you, Beth. Well, let's pray, shall we? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, bring life and light and love to that text. Lord, may it inspire us, enable us to follow you each and every day. So Lord, open our hearts and our minds as we come to your word now so that we can go out and breathe life to our communities, to our friends, and to those places that you will have us go. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good evening. If you have your Bibles uh, out, please do keep them out. Uh, we will be going through the psalm. You'll be glad to know, not line by line, otherwise we will be here until tomorrow morning. Uh, and some of you may have to go off to other things. Uh, I certainly need to go off and get some more beauty sleep. We had some kids staying over last night, and they just about went to bed uh, at 10. Uh, so we made good progress. Today, I want to share some thoughts on Psalm 18. And I think the way to summarize Psalm 18 is in this line here. With God, you do not have to have it all sorted before he will use you. You do not have to have it all sorted before he will use you. Our psalm today is addressed to God after God delivered David from his enemies. There's escape from uh, assault uh, and there's talk about achievements. But those assaults and those achievements that David experienced were not for his own sake alone, but they were for the sake of Israel, that beautiful nation too. Someone once wrote this, the Psalms are the poetry of the believer. The Psalms are the poetry of the believer. I think that is just beautiful. It's because the Psalms, they take us up to the mountaintops and also down into the valleys. And that tends to be in the same Psalm. One minute you're in a high place, you're face to face with God and everything is beautiful and perfect. And then suddenly we're down in the valleys and it seems dark and disappointing. They are, as you probably know, a beautiful collection of emotions, raw emotions of people chasing God and chasing him down. 
And over a period of about 400 years, they would have been collected. And our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ himself, would have encountered them and sung them and known some of them in the synagogues and in the temple when he was there doing his duty and meeting his God. For some commentators, Psalm 18 is a testimony of David's deliverance from attack. And it would seem that David is shouting his praises because God has turned his danger into triumph, his peril into victory. And it may have become his kind of theme tune or his uh, graduation song or, or his kind of victory song that whenever he encountered another uh, um, success in the eyes of God, it was this song, this psalm of Psalm 18 that he sung again. As we just saw with the wonderful reading from Beth, it's one of the longest psalms. You have to stick with it, don't you? You have to pace your way through it. But it's energy and it's insights and it's, it's the words and the texture is unrelenting. So if you have the text in front of you, we're just going to dive in a little bit now. Verse, nine, uh, verse 1 to 2 and verses 49 to 50 seem to frame it around David's testimony. And I think you can summarize it like this. I will try to love you, my Lord, with all my strength. Nine times the psalm talks about David being uh, delivered from his adversaries and his attackers. But 11 times we hear God delivering and rescuing and saving. Nine times asking for help, 11 times God stepping out. You see, God stepped in more times than David needed him to. And since Genesis 1, and even before then, we, you and I, have witnessed that God moves in to act because it's God who's always the first one to step in. Even before you know you need God, he knows you need him, and he's there ready to step in. And if you want to see this psalm, Psalm 18, uh, in a different context, then do look up to Samuel 22 during your week where you'll see a, diff a different variant on it. So broadly speaking, our psalm can be broken down as follows. Verses 1 to 6 show just how much danger David was in. It's real. It's serious stuff. But he got prayed up to get the job done, didn't he? And God responds in verses 7 and 15, and he delivers David in verses 16 to 29. And David shows us in a very elaborate way what God did for him. And then the whole situation, isn't it? It's reversed again in verses 30 to 48. So what do we learn from Psalm 18 today? What do we learn from David's testimony? Why does it matter? Here's what I think. We learn that God reached down and he drew David up in verse 16. We learn that even through, even though our enemies are people who rise up, as we see in verses 39 and 48, God humbled them in verses 27. 
And we see that, that, that God stopped them from being able to rise up again. It stops with God. And we learn that because of this, because David got prayed up, even in all his brokenness and his ugliness, God allowed him to rule high above his adversaries in verses 43 to 48. We hear, don't we, a lot about David. It makes a crack in, school, a crack in story in Sunday school. This story about a shepherd boy, a boy who's sent away to go and do something whilst his brothers do the good stuff, and then he becomes king. But we also know that David was a great killer and a great womanizer. He often, often failed in his personal relationships. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Oxford to give a talk, and afterwards I was catching up with a friend, and as we were walking through a street like this, a man, two men, walked up to me, and this one chap, Patrick, said, are you a priest? Well, I had my collar on, so I couldn't say no, could I? I couldn't say, so I'm off duty, I'm off to go and have a curry. I said, yes, I am. And he said, are you a Roman Catholic priest? And I said, no, I'm not. Is that a problem? He said, no, it isn't. And I said, phew, thank you. He then told me that he had just come out of prison for murdering his wife. He'd served the time, and now he wanted to get right with God. And he said to me, does God forgive me? In the middle of the street, my mate's there, he's there, I'm thinking, you know, gosh, you've got to have something to say, haven't you? You can't say, could you email me, and I'll get back to you. And I said, look, Patrick, look at the cross. What do you see? He said, I don't know. Tell me. I said, what we see on the cross is love hanging in our place. We see the Son of God hanging there because all have failed short, but all are welcome when you say yes to Jesus. And he said to me, when I pray to my wife, something happens. But when I pray to God, nothing happens. What's that about? And very quickly, and perhaps not very sensitively, I said to him, Patrick, your wife's not coming back. But God, he's king. And he rose again and he ascended because he's coming back to make all things right and new and perfect. Pray to the coming king, Patrick. So we did. We prayed, we embraced we departed. Like this chap I met in Oxford, I think you have to realize that God steps in and God is ready and waiting for us. Friends, please don't think that you have to have it sorted before God will use you. If you wait for that, then you'll be waiting forever and you'll never be ready to say yes. But each of us, don't we? You and me and all of us, we need to do that hard work to progress because God wants progress. He knows we can't be perfected and perfect on our own, but with the Holy Spirit, we can make daily progress and become more like his son. If you look at our Bibles, you won't see the famous 10 perfect people but what you will see is the saints that lie and cheat and break promises and commit insurrection and endanger women and even take extra wives. They're not perfect people, 
They may be in the bestseller, but their lives are not the best. Yet in it, God steps in and he says with me, we can make progress and we can go further together. Last week, Simon kicked off our sermon series called Love God, Love Neighbor. Have you ever wondered how you can love your neighbor if you can't love yourself? How can you really, brothers and sisters, love your neighbor if you don't like what you see in the mirror? One of my favorite theologians you'll see is Leonard Cohen. And he wrote many beautiful songs. Much of it was poetry, and it fits so well with our psalm today. And it touched millions of people. Cohen was called the high priest of pathos and the godfather of gloom. But he wrote beautiful, beautiful prose. And one of his songs that I want to share with you today is called If It Be Your Will. Cohen did not have his life sorted. He was prone to depression, yet he was witty. He was charming, but his mental health wasn't all that. But in his words, he expresses the ugliness of life. And here are some of his lyrics. If it be your will, if there is a choice, let the rivers fill, let the hills rejoice, let your mercy spill on these hurts, these on these burning hearts in hell, if it be your will to make us well. One magazine wrote of Cohen that his life was obsessed with mortality, that he was God-infused and funny. Like you and me, he is and was on a journey. He was a person that was looking for peace. He was a person that was looking for answers. And he was a person who had God on his back. Like the Psalms, Cohen's music takes us to the mountains and to the valleys. Cohen continues, And draw us near and bind us tight, all your children here in their rags of light, in our rags of light all dressed to kill and end this night if it be your will if it be your will. Psalm 18 tells us that it is God's will. It is God's will to know us, for us to do the hard work of loving ourselves so that we can love our neighbor. The whole of Scripture tells us that. However you've arrived here today, God wants to be, invo- God wants to be involved in your life And David's testimony in this psalm makes us start to know that because we see that God has and will act in decisive and extraordinary ways to get the job done. You are beloved by the beloved. You may not be feeling it, you may not want it, but it's still true. I encountered in that moment with Patrick in Oxford, the opportunity to share the love with him because I have experienced the love myself. If you want to love your neighbor, get loved up yourself. Go to God through the Holy Spirit each morning and meet him. We live in a world, don't we, that's uh, far from perfect, 
It's far from the one that was promised in Scripture. But when God comes back, it will be made new. And in that time, we've got to journey with God to love our neighbor. God abides in this world. And he abides in the human life that you and I encounter. In both the joy and the love, in our desire for justice, but also in our failures, in our pain, and in our suffering. Sisters and brothers, if there's just one thing that you take from this uh, preach this evening, may you know that Psalm 18 reminds us that God is there. He steps in before you are ready, that you are ready to receive him, before you even know that you need him. And he's there in the good times, but the bad times and the happy times and also the sad times. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are a God who sees all. Thank you that you are a God that knows our humanity. Thank you that you experienced it in our Lord Jesus. Thank you that you don't just leave us in it, but give us the Holy Spirit to help us to progress, to become more like your Son. And Lord, we pray that today we will get prayed up so we can get the job done of loving you, loving ourselves, and loving our neighbours. Amen.